So, I want to take you on a journey to Africa. We're going to go deep into one of the forests in Central Africa. And we're going to find, in a clearing, amidst the trees, a small group of huts where a tribe lives, led by a extremely powerful warrior chief. His ancestors have been the chiefs of this tribe for centuries. And he's a man muscular in form and wise in mind, and he has three sons. Each of them, so much like his father, powerful, insightful, courageous in battle. One day, the chief goes out to hunt him. And as he stalks an impala, his bow and arrow ready to shoot, he fails to hear the approach of a deadly predator behind him. And as he has a crack of a leaf and he turns down, it's too late for the leopard has already pounced and his life is ended in a split second. His underlings fight off the attacking beast until it runs away to the forest and leaves the dead corpse of the chief bloodily staining the ground. And with great respect, they transport it back to the village where a ceremonious funeral is performed and the entire tribe mourns the demise of their great leader. And his three sons, you see, he had three sons. And it was his call to appoint one of them as the following leader, but now he's gone. And a dispute arises amongst the elders and the tribe's people as to who should take over the mantle of the chief. There's no way of deciding. This goes on for a week. Until one morning, one of the sons calls a meeting in the tent of assembly for the elders and his brothers. And he says to them, Gentlemen, I have a piece of news which is so relevant and revelationary. Last night, as I slept, deep in slumber, a vision, an apparition of my father did come to me. And he looked at me with stern command and said, You shall be the next chief. An uproar arises in the tent of assembly and the brothers look cynically to the side disputing his claim to rulership. And then one elder stands up his wise face, his bright eyes his white beard echoing his wisdom and he says 
but son, prince of our chief, surely were it to be that you would be our next leader, would not your father have come to us in a dream to appoint you? And that's where the analogy stops. <laughs> Just there. Application. What would you think? In terms of leadership, specifically when it's ordained by an invisible power, and how one gains an authority? Well, one would think that people would accept people people would accept others as their prophetic leaders when there'd be some type of external verification of their role that they're performing. And therefore, it's a little bit strange that when you look across the globe from one side far, far, far west, as west as one may go in California, and all the way east, as east as one can go in Greenland, Machlokas, Russia, wherever, there's not a single... Not a single, not a single, 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 solitary religion that presents its historical beginnings as such. Rather, they all have a striking overlap. Man claims to have received insight, illumination, a prophecy from a higher being, from his own internal spiritual awareness, and he becomes a leader to gather the flocks together and spread his teachings. But with one exception. The Jewish people. The only religion in the world, from the beginning of time until now, that asserts and affirms that the primary prophet who conveyed the immutable law, known as the Torah, didn't proclaim his own status as prophet, but rather the Jewish people as a whole, three million of them, approximately in total, heard the voice of God saying, implying that Moses is the man he has chosen to lead and to convey his message to the people. Now if you'll say, well, but that sounds like a biblical legend. That doesn't sound like history. Historical fact is different. So let's just deviate one moment, segue into a differentiation between legend and history. Now what makes a historical event, it's becomes part of our human consciousness. You know, we, don't, we don't for a second think of the world without the Black Plague, even though it happened ooh, a good few hundred years ago. We don't doubt the existence of Napoleon or the French Revolution or the fact that the, the Greeks preceded the Romans. Because when you have historical events, they leave a footprint on the world that we can still see. They leave something over. There's a ramification. And generally, the more dramatic the event is, and the more people it touches, the big imprint it has on the consciousness of humanity. 
So events which touch the millions of people are deeply imprinted into our social collective memory and events which touch fewer people may have their remnants but aren't as powerful. Whereas a legend, a legend never claims to be an event. And even though millions of people may subscribe to it, it's because they've chosen to take it on. A legend happens to an individual or a group of individuals. It doesn't have wide-reaching ramifications in terms of its practical experience, its claims, its stories. George Washington chopping down his father's cherry tree is a legend. You can choose to believe it. You can choose to dismiss it. If you like the idea and you knew him well, you may say, makes a lot of sense. So there's legend and there's, there's history. Billions of people, the majority of the world's population. are still walking in the path of possibly the greatest historical event that's occurred in the history of humanity. The giving of the Torah and Son. Every Christian and Muslim subscribes to it. Granted, they maintain that a single prophet came later on and deviated from the original law. But they don't dismiss it. Billions of people Billions of people. Apart from the ramifications in terms of our ethical conscience. And the Jewish people as the forebears of this message. Against all odds. Tiny in number. Until this very day. Carry on. The fire of Sinai. It's astonishing. And we are the next... And the next link in the powerful energy that surged out from that momentous moment. As our forefathers stood, they stood there. They really stood there. And they became transformed through the experience of the ultimate connection to God. When he validated Moses' prophecy and he gave us our mission statement in this world illuminated our eyes with these deeper secrets of the universe and took us under his wing to protect us for eternity Okay, that's, um, that was the lecture style part this year. Now we're going to go into, a, you know, change the tone, change the mood, and give you a little context. How did that voice just spill out from my mouth? And what was that all about? You're all thinking. Was this our topic? This is quite interesting. It's an idea I'm playing around with. The reason why I just delivered that sermon is because of a series of events. One of my jobs is to work in a program which trains rabbis involved in outreach. And I have different 
tasks. One of the tasks is to critique and evaluate the speakers, which I, I enjoy thoroughly. I don't know if they do. And um, to do this last week on Friday, the tables were turned because I received this awesome, meaning not awesome, but awesome, it filled me with awe, fear and trepidation, email, which stated that, oh, don't you remember we discussed a couple of months back that you'd like to teach the students in this program to deliver a 15-minute power message. And you, Siegel, were going to, first of all, demonstrate that power message and then explain to them how you got there. Oh, and by the way, here's the topics that you should deliver it in. Thursday, 6 o'clock. Delivery time the next day, around about 11.30 in the morning. I receive the email. I immediately go into a sense of shock. To condense a topic that I'm not familiar with speaking about into a 15-minute power vote and then tell people how it's done seems a little bit of a big ask when I've got a busy Thursday night a busy Friday morning, and I have to <gasps> deliver it. So that's what I did. I started to prepare, started to research, started to understand, started to open up the Malbim and discuss where the Torah itself says a strange, strange thing. It says, if the nations, if you ask in the future time, if you go back and people ask about the early days, was there ever such a thing? talking about a later point to when the Torah is written in history. In other words, it's a prophecy. If people ask in the future, and they'll look back and they'll say, was there ever such a thing, showing the uniqueness of the nation of Israel, that there was a nation that heard this and experienced that, heard the voice of God speak to them as a nation, not as an individual, and they lived? Was there ever a nation that was removed one nation from another like we were through the signs and miracles of the Jews leaving Egypt? And the answer will be a resounding no, but even more than that. There won't even be a person that stakes a claim that that happened to his nation. There'll never be a religion in the world that will say we had a national revelation. There never will be. Now that's an astonishing claim to make. I mean, if Khalilah one would think that the Torah is authored by man, that would be a really, really courageous thing to assume. Unless, of course, you understand one thing, which is a basic fact. You cannot manufacture an event in history. You can create a legend, but you can't duplicate footprints. They're either there or they're not. They're either there or they're not. So no one can claim that there was a nation that revealed something because it would have had ramifications. There's no claim you can make. It either is or it isn't. And since this was a once in a in the world time experience, it ain't happening again. So I got really excited about that. And I got into it. And then I delivered the little African chieftain Drosha. Hey, how was that? Okay? Not bad. Yeah? Got in there, through the back door, opened up the minds to the notion, surged in there, and made it an issue of core belief. So what I'm interested in, how does that affect one? I've always been a little bit interested in terms of intellectual knowledge and which we know there's a, there's a, we know there's a strange dichotomy between intellectual belief and, and practical behavior and we know that people are absolutely skilled comfortable and well versed at believing 
devoutly one thing and behavior, behaving in absolutely the opposite manner. So the question is, does the presentation of this idea have any benefit? And would this be a viable and important thing to share with people like ourselves? So I feel the share has become extremely one-sided. And even though you all seem somewhat semi-comatose, I would like to perhaps open it up for a little bit of a, a smidgen of discussion as to how do you feel that those, those words would impact you. And I'm going to start off with, with Joshua Benjamin. Both of him, those are actually not two first names, the second being his latter name, his family name, Joshua Benjamin, go on then. Could you not um, just convince a small group of people that the previous generation were, like, were the ones who, um, who, were expo who experienced the revelation? In other words, you can just convince a small group of people that it happened, and then if those people are convinced, then they just pass it on to oh, But how do, you, how do you convince a person that something happened to you? It's very hard to convince a person that something happened to me. You ca I come up to you and say, Josh, you have no idea what happened to you yesterday. You say, oh, what? So, well, you came with me, and like we were saying, the bottom of this mountain, and we, like, we received a prophetic insight of God. It didn't happen to me or you. I mean, so so you're convincing me it happened to me and my father. You know, your father didn't mention this cataclysmic event that occurred to him. But by the way, this is what happened to him. You can't tell people what happened to them. You can only tell them what happened to me, and then you can say, if you'd like to come with me on this journey, come along. But, and then when you go, eventually go back, you say, well, how, they, um, how do we know that they experience it? Because it's written in the, in the Torah. No, how do you know they experience it? Because it's left its footprint on creation, on the world, on humanity. And because it's written in the Torah. You're not looking at the Torah as your source for this. You're looking at the, the, the impact that it's had on the nature of... I mean, 53% of the world's population goes for this. That's, that's billions and billions of people. It's amazing. You don't think about it. You think, oh, no, no one goes for this. No, most people go for this. They just argue as to what happened afterwards. Different versions of the Ten Commandments. But everyone agrees there are Ten Commandments. So, so, so I, find that, I find that what does it do for you? Now, I think it's important at this point in time to, to consult our our, our Sheer sage. Adam. Really? Well, I think that's, that's your role. <laughs> I was thinking of buying your staff. <laughs> We're going to have to do something with your beard and make it slightly whiter, but I'm, I'm sure that will come with time. What do, what, do, what do you feel about this? I think that there are um, circular argument. Yes, why? They're arguing, the story is that there is a mass revelation, and the reason that we should believe it is because it happened to many people, and yet this mass revelation is then funneled through a single source, as if nobody else could write, or make a statue, or make any other uh, medium or vehicle with which to transmit the message. So why does it matter if it's a mass revelation, if the mass revelation is now funneled through a single argument. That's, that's so, 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 let's, let's through, through a single medium. Let's go back, let's go back. Go. Yes. Mass revelation. Mass, Mass revelation. Re and revelation. only one guy in the whole place can write. Slowly, 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 slowly. Slowly, slowly, slowly. 
Deep breaths. Nice revelation. Now, po- po- point, point we're trying to discuss here is not... There's many topics which are related. For example, the, authent- the authenticity of the written Torah. Topic number one. The existence of God, perhaps. Topic number two. The uniqueness of the Jewish people. Topic number three. The topic we're discussing is was there an event that occurred over 3,000 years ago that the Jewish people as a whole were given an instruction by God. The event, the details, the, the, the way that it's transmitted through the Jewish people, all not, not really into our topic. You know, in terms of the presentation of that event as being an event and not a legend, do you feel that we have a certain assurance that the event was an event? I think that the proof of the Torah's veracity... Whoa, 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 whoa. new topic, new topic, new topic. No. Not the Torah's veracity. Okay. No, 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 no. Well, I, want, I want to say no, but that doesn't mean that there's not truth in the Torah. I think that the, the legend of the Torah being transmitted at Sinai has come to replace... Belief in that legend has come to replace belief in the truths of the Torah. And I think it's the same thing as the initial... Uh, uh, what is it? Well, I don't know what it's called. In, in, yeah, in, analogy. Analogy that you gave of the African tribes in which it said, uh, why wouldn't you come to all of us instead of just to one person? Because I think that unless people become sensitive enough and learn to interpret the signs of God and the signs of the universe and understand what is God, then they're still depending on one source to experience God. And that source is Moshe Rabbeinu and the Torah, who is the same thing as, as that brother or whoever, that, that brother, one of the three brothers, who says that I... Uh, I, can't, I had a vision, I had a dream. Why, why is it the same thing when it's been corroborated by everyone around him? We don't know that it's been corroborated by everyone around him. We know, we know that there was a mass event that occurred. Because if there wouldn't have been a, ma- it would have been a singular prophecy that Moshe Rabbeinu would have experienced, so then it wouldn't have left its footprint on humanity. That's contradicted by the, by the fact that there are other instances in which billions of people come to follow a single leader and believe his history. The two biggest ones we've been discussing in this year are Christianity and Islam. Those, those are both instances in which a single leader claims to have experienced something and then it's channeled to everyone. All it, all it, ma- all it means is that someone with a great amount of resources and control and power used the means of propaganda to spread a message. That, that, that's not all it means. That's what it could mean. But no one has that's what it could mean. No, no, no. Two million people saw the same thing. God There's a distinction. You, you, you're avoiding the distinction. You're avoiding the distinction. And the passion in your voice won't get you out of it. Okay. I understand yeah. the distinction. I understand the distinction. But the distinction is belied by the fact that there's a single 
source through which this mass revelation is funneled through. You think uh, Joe uh, Sinsheimer or Harry Lefkowitz wouldn't sketch something in, in the side of his house if he saw God? He wouldn't make a, a small painting? Or That's not how humans work. Humans are, are always trying to record things. You think they were like, oh, it's okay, I'm going to just tell my, my sons this orally. I, I don't have to worry about this. No, no one had the desire to make a carving or a sculpture or something. Not not of God, because maybe God is beyond, beyond that. Not only that, the what events. they heard was, and don't make a sculpture or carving. That's exactly what they heard, right? Mm -hmm. That was the experience they, of the head. They, they were all saints now? It doesn't make sense that a mass revelation is funneled through a single source. That's what I'm saying. The, the argument for... I'm not denying... Why, why doesn't it make sense that a mass, mass, a mass revelation was funneled through the recipients of that message? Why, 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 why do you keep on harboring on the fact that there was a single source? There wasn't a single source. There was a national corroboration of an entire body of information as well as the experience. In fact... In fact, the experience was tr transmitted not in terms of some type of text, but rather, father would say to son, my son, let me tell you what it looked like when this thing happened. And then he would in turn say, do you know what my, what my father said to me? And that is explicitly related that after this event, after this event, which we call the Mass Revelation, the documented um, instruction in the Torah is Voidatum Levonecha, Velivne Vonecha, Yoima Sher Omad Levonecha Barchev. You should tell your children and your children's children the day that you stood in front of Archev, meaning not that there's some type of defined format of how that should be expressed, but it becomes part of your national culture that this event is a discussion. And this event is something we relate, just as much as we relate the Exodus from Egypt. There's a, there's, there's a part of, of, it's not only in terms of this day at this time say these words. It's just, you speak about it like we speak about any part of our family history. The events, and you've got stories about your grandfather. And maybe even, you've got stories about your great-grandparents. Because those are things which become part of your collective identity. And there's a big problem with Judaism today because Judaism today yes. professes to have a very unified story of 13 principles by Maimonides who says if you don't believe these things, you're not a Jew. And you think 3 million people were all telling their sons and daughters the same exact thing? It, it just doesn't hold. It doesn't make sense. There's a big difference between uh, a unified historical uh, story and text and, and everything that goes together and then coming down the line 2,000 years later or whatever it is when we have 13 principles which should be passed down. That these things new don't point, go together. New point, new point, separate discussion. New point, new point. One point, discussion of the experience of a revelation which occurred in the previous point in history conveyed by a nation that experienced it. Something which, which, which is probably common to, to any national event in any culture and heritage. There's, there's, there's many cultural storage, stories which become part and parcel of a great flood, typhoon. Those things are dramatic and they'll be conveyed generation to generation. Now when those things are not only dramatic but they also have a message and a mission attached to them so it increases the power. What would you like to say Josh before I continue? Uh, I'm still stuck on the last point because it's not 
I haven't heard from my, any of my parents personally that... New point, new point. Yeah, I'm waiting. So, so, so I haven't heard that, and the reason is we keep going back and across down the lineage is because at some point, assuming that <coughs> the Torah was given and everything, at some point somebody went off the derech and stopped educating his children. About sure. It. So the same way that that's possible, do you agree that it's possible um, that at some point... <coughs> Like assuming if we assume that it didn't happen, at some point somebody fabricated the story um, and got three people, three of these children to believe something. Let's say a volcano erupted, even though it didn't erupt. And then those, if those people, it's all, all that, re- that those people need to believe that that's... You're saying there's a new, 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 new approach. I haven't, I haven't experienced anything personally. N- new I'm approach. The reason I'm buying into this argument... It's because of my father told me. My father tells me, my father tells me, one father, that's what you're saying, one father has three children. And he says, before you're born, he now makes up a story. My father told me that he experienced this. Mm. And he said this is so important, I'm telling you this, and I want you to tell your children, your children's 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 children. Right? Now, just think practically how that's going to happen. These are three people, and now they're going to have to be told a story which... Where, when did the story begin? Who was the first person to tell it? At what stage in history? Pretty far back, right? Pretty, pretty, pretty far back. I mean, like thousands of years back. There was one individual that came up with this whole story. Like, it's going to be quite a... And he kind of... At what point in time did he... Did he how come his three kids are the only one that know about it? What did he say to them? That there was a nation of you and everyone else got wiped out in a, in a flood... And you're the only three, and I'm the only survivor. I'm the only survivor, and it becomes quite, quite, quite complicated. The fabrication becomes quite an event. To, I mean, quite a it becomes very, very, very. I'm not saying absolutely impossible. I don't know the people that deny the Holocaust. You can say people deny the Holocaust. You know, it's, it's possible to deny the Holocaust. You can say that, uh, like, in favor of what you're saying. You can say that because of human nature. And the fact that there are Jews now that don't actually actively tell that story. Therefore, the, like, the probability of a significant amount of people, let's say just the community in Masharim, of holding that is extremely low unless it is true. Because of human nature, because, and because of the, our, the fallibility of like, keeping a story, never mind such a complex story, such, yes. a, such a deep, uh, detailed story, such a, and also a story that that involves like so much of your own persecution. Okay, gentlemen, we're going to have to break here. But, uh